Let's give full attention to the word. Coming out of Luke chapter 13, 1 through 5. For there were some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed them, do you think they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Good morning. How's everybody? Good. Um, so the ushers, uh, you can come forward and take the morning's offering. If you're visiting with us, uh, again, I say this every week, we don't, um, we don't want you to feel obligated to give. Sometimes when you're visiting a church, it might feel a little weird. And uh, the, the, what makes it weirder is somebody asks you for some money. So, uh, but if you could let us know how you found out about us, that would be great. You could do that by taking the card in the back of the seat, filling it out, and then on your way out, you can just drop that card in the box uh, by the door uh, there. All right, so uh, one other thing, and this, is, this wasn't on the, you know, for the announcements, but I just got confirmation. A good friend of mine, uh, Jason Jans, uh, is going to be our keynote speaker for our next men's breakfast. He, uh, he planted a church in the heart of Denver, and um, he's worked with gangs. He's worked with uh, he's been working with people in poverty, helping them get off of welfare and find, you know learn a trade. and And he pastors a church on top of that. So he's going to come. That will be April second, and uh, and and so I'm excited about that. You'll hear more about that in the in the days to come. But we are doing an, another men's breakfast, our second men's breakfast, and um, Jason's going to be uh, speaking at that. So. Let's pray. Uh, let's just, you know, I'm not going to ask you to go across the room and pray with somebody, but if you could pray in you know, the, the comfort of your own seat, maybe with the person you came with, but just pray this. Pray that God will just uh, soften our hearts, that he will speak to each and every one of us, including me, through his word. And whatever noise, Whatever anxiety, whatever stuff that's been going on this week, that that all that he would just quiet that in your in your mind and just and just prepare your heart to, uh, to receive what it is that he would have for you. And so let's just take like a minute and just pray. You could pray out loud. You could pray in the private, you know, in the quietness of your own heart if you want. But uh, let's just pray, and then I'll just close our time of prayer, and then we'll dive into uh, the scriptures together. God, you are an awesome God, and. Uh, The gift that we're able to be here this morning. You woke us up this morning. You gave, you put air in our lungs this morning. You gave us strength this morning, so that uh, so that we could get up. And and now we're here. And God, I I know there's just all kinds of crazy things going on in our world. Lots of distractions. Lots of things that could fill us with anxiety. But God, at the end of the day, you are sovereign. You are the God who reigns. You're the God um, who governs the universe. And and now we just ask that you would. 
uh, just quiet our hearts, whatever noise that uh, we've experienced this week, or maybe continuing to experience even now, that you would quiet that down, you turn the volume of that down so that we can just hear your voice through your word, and that you will prepare our hearts to receive it and change us as a result. If there's anyone in this room, Lord, who just needs encouragement, needs just, just, just grasping at, at hope, God, that, that they would find that in, in the moments to come uh, while they're here. And if there's anyone watching the live stream or who is here who does not yet know you and is just trying to figure it out, what is it, you know, who you are, what does it mean to follow Jesus? And God, I ask that whatever questions people have arrived with this morning, that you will answer those today and that you will just meet us in a very powerful way and transform us um, just through the hearing of your word and the power of your Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we started a sermon series. This is the fourth week, I believe, in the sermon series. Uh, Christians say the darndest things. If you're visiting with us, um, you know, this, I just wanted to do a sermon series, preach through a sermon series on a lot of the things that I've heard over the years uh, in the church from Christians. I've, been, I, I've said some of these things myself, and, and so I figured we'll take like some time together and just dive into each of these statements. And so uh, this week, uh, bad things happen to good people. How many of you have heard that said? Bad things happen to good people. Um, maybe you, you even said it, you know, bad things happen to good people. And, and so I went on uh, Google, because that's where I find all my uh, true information and <laughs> statistical data. And, and uh, what I discovered is that there was a poll done not long ago, I think it was in 2020, or at least the results were released in 2020. Uh, when, it came to, when it comes to like being good, uh, three in four Americans believe they're fundamentally a good person. So th- you know, if you were, a bunch of people were asked, you believe that you're good, and three in four Americans believe that they're fundamentally a good person. Four uh, out of five believe humanity is inherently good. 46% believe that they are better than everyone else that they know. (laughs) I thought that was interesting. 62% agree that that anyone could become a better person. 43% believe that they're doing all that they can to improve. And 70% of evangelicals believe that people are basically good. Right, so uh, by and large, if I if I took a poll in you know in this congregation, seventy percent of you, according to this statistic, would say that you basically believe that people are good. And I, I asked myself, well, what standard do we measure a person's goodness? Right, like what standard are we using? Because I don't know uh, about you, but but if you've been if you've been to a different country before, or even if you've been to a different state. There are different standards for how to measure a person's goodness, right? Uh, so we have friends that moved to uh, Alabama, and uh, there's, you know, they were telling us about the southern hospitality, yes ma'am, no ma'am, um, you know, lots of hugs and fried food. You know, it's, that's what they're experiencing right now. And, uh, and they moved from Colorado. And, and so I'm originally from the Philadelphia area, and you know the the nickname for Philadelphia is the city of not brotherly love, but brotherly shove, right? So, 
When I first arrived to Colorado, uh, hugging people, hugging strangers was weird for me. Like that was, within the family, it was fine. But I overheard one person in the first church I pastored, who, the walls were so thin, I could hear every conversation. I wasn't like eavesdropping, it was just hard to avoid. And she said, yeah, that, our new pastor, I, I really like him, even though he doesn't like to hug people. And, and so... Uh, I am more of a hugger than I was when I first arrived to Colorado. I, I am surprised about uh, of how many people like to hug in this congregation or in Wyoming, you know, the cowboy state. But um, every state has its own standard for measuring goodness. So I guess I wasn't as good when I first arrived to Colorado because I didn't hug. Uh, I, you know, maybe gave a nod, and that was that's what I did. We were actually joking about that when we were... Uh, uh, FaceTiming our friends who were in Alabama. They, they were uh, commenting on, on the accent in Alabama, how thick it is, and how thick my accent was when I first arrived to Colorado from, from uh, the East Coast. And every once in a while, when I go to the East Coast, my accent comes out. And even every once in a while, I like to share my culture with you. Right? I made Philadelphia hoagies for the UFC party. And, uh, and sadly, the Eagles uh, did not go through the playoffs, so there will be no tasty cakes for Meadowbrook. Um, in the in the near future, but um, and, and maybe that's maybe I'm not being good by doing that. Who who knows? So what standard do we measure a person's goodness? And that's the the age old question is why do bad things happen to good people, assuming that most people are good? And that's the question Jesus wrestles with, you know, in Luke chapter 13. You know, it, it, not just he, the question he wrestled with, but the question. That, um, that others had who listen, were listening to him preach. They questioned, what, what, you know, why do these things happen to people? Like, why do bad things happen to people? And so what I, what I want to do is just kind of talk about two things. One, who is the good person? And then two, is there only one good person? And um, we're just going to unpack this together. And so... So in Luke chapter 13, is after Jesus just talked about a bunch of different things. One of them was like, you know, settle with your accuser. He talks about some justice issues and, and, um, and you, know, you know, what it means to, to, to follow him and, and what it means to be a person of God or somebody who loves God. And then it says in verse 13, uh, or chapter 13, verse 1, if you're tracking with me, and I hope you are, that there were some present at the very time who told him, told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And so, I just, you know, just so you know what was going on there, uh, we don't have a whole lot of historical data on what they're re referencing, but what we do know is, you know, comes from the, the passage here, is that there are these Galilean pilgrims who most likely were worshiping during Passover and, you know, pro uh, providing their sacrifice for atonement for their sins, and Pilate sent his soldiers to take care of business, and they slaughtered them, and most likely slaughtered them while they were worshiping God. And so their blood was mingled with their sacrifices. And so they said, what about those guys? What about them? Like, and there was this idea in Jesus' day that if something horrible happened to you, you probably did something bad to deserve God's judgment in that way. And that's why they brought it up. 
What about the Galileans? You know, what did they do that was so bad that resulted in them dying in the way that they died? Because surely, you know, a, a person who was innocent before God would never die in that way, would never experience that kind of atrocity, being slaughtered while they worship him. What about them? And then Jesus asks the question, so he doesn't even, he doesn't even answer them um, directly. He, he answered them, he says, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? So he a rhetorical question, which I'm not sure they had an answer for. And verse 3 says, no, I tell you, that, but unless you repent, you, you all likewise will perish. You will all likewise perish. And then he brings up another story, and they didn't even bring this up. Jesus just brought it up. He said, okay, while we're on the subject, how about the 18 on whom the tower fell upon them? They weren't even doing anything. They were just kind of minding their business, maybe eating their lunch, doing whatever. And this tower, out of the blue, this natural um, catastrophe happened, and 18 people died you know, instantly that day under this, this tower. What about them? You know, what, what do you think about them? Do you, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. That's Jesus' answer. So what is he saying here? Like, what, what, he's saying you're, you're, you're asking the wrong question. You're assuming that you're better than the Galileans who were slaughtered while they were sacrificing because you weren't, you weren't one of them. That they must have done something horrible that deserved that. And some of you may assume that the 18 on which the tower fell upon them, that they deserved that because surely if you're living righteously, God's not going to let you die in that fashion. He's not going to let you die a violent, horrible death the edge of Pilate's sword, or will he let you die a horrible death underneath a great big tower? And so, do bad things happen to good people? There is a principle, somebody brought it up after last week's service, um, and said, hey, what about the, the principle of sowing and reaping? I mean, we see that in the Bible. I'm like, yeah, there's a principle of sowing and reaping. There's this principle that if you violate or if you break the commandments of God, there are probably going to be consequences to that. There are going to be just practical consequences to you violating God's law, um, and, and, there may be, and there are going to be spiritual consequences. But to assume that every time something bad happens in your life, that you did something to deserve that, or that you did something to warrant God's judgment in that way, um, is a misunderstanding of the principle of sowing and reaping. And that's a whole other sermon. I just wanted to, to, to mention that. Um, so Jesus asked, do you really think, do you really think that these Galileans were worse sinners than others? Do you really think that? Or do you really think that the 18 on whom the tower fell <clears throat> and killed them, do you think that they were worse sinners than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? because that happened to them. You know, there's um, the question that people ask when, you know, tyrannical kings murder or towers fall upon those they love or, or, um, or other things that happen is this. And it's, it's, uh, there are actually two views that um, you can boil this down to. There's the moralistic view, 
which basically asks, what bad thing did I do to deserve this? I don't know if you ever had anything bad happen to you and you asked that question, what did I do to deserve this? Have you ever, in your darkest moments, have asked that question? God, why? Did I do something that, that warrants this? And then there's the skeptical view, and I actually was really helped by Tim Keller on this. He preached a sermon on Luke chapter 13, and he shared these two views you know, in his sermon. But there's the skeptical view that concludes that such things happen because life is unfair. Like there's no rhyme or reason to it. It just happens. And, and life is unfair. And, or maybe not just life is unfair, but maybe, maybe God is unfair. Or, uh, or, you know, because there's good people in the world that don't deserve these kind of things to happen to them. Therefore, they conclude life is unfair. And um, the people who you know, brought up the murder of the Galilean pilgrims, what, what was at the heart of their question? Uh, maybe a question that you've asked or I've asked. Am I better than they are? Is that why I didn't experience that? You know, how about the people that were in the trade towers? Why did it happen to them? Why was I not there? You know, because uh, I grew up uh, on the East Coast and I was in the East Coast uh, during that time. That, was, that hit home for me. We have a friend who, um, whose fiance was in the tower, one of the towers that came down and died. Am I better than they? Tim Keller said this, and I, I wanted to share this because he, what he said was so good. He said, this is what happens. If bad things start to happen, what do you start to say? You say, am I not living right? Am I being punished for something? It's instinctive. It's out of your mouth or it's in your head before you know. So the first view of falling towers is the religious view, and that is, who's to blame? The people on whom the tower is falling, they must have done something wrong. And then he goes on to say, secondly, the other approach that is very common in the world when you see towers fall, is a, he says, I'm going to call this the irreligious approach, the skeptical approach. Rather than blame the people on whom the tower falls, this approach blames life, the universe, or even God. The religious view looks at what's under the tower. The irreligious view looks at what's above the tower. And he goes on. He said, the irreligious view says, hey, most people are good. Most people work very hard. Most people deserve a decent life. And so many people don't get a good life. Why? Because the universe is unfair. Because life is absurd. Because life stinks. Because God is unfair. Because God is doing something wrong. And those are your, that's the way people tend to respond, either or. I've, I've had conversations with people who've responded in one of those ways. Any of you experienced somebody who, or talked to somebody who kind of just like something bad happened and their conclusion was either God is unfair or, or maybe that person did something wrong? It reminds me of a story, and I've, I shared this a long time ago, but so I'm going to share it again. Um, uh, I was listening to Christian radio when I was like in my early 20s, and the talk show host was sharing this story about this blind woman who uh, went to church. And she, you know, and when she went to church one sun, one Sunday, the pastor said to her, "If and this really happened," she said, said to her, "If you had enough faith, you would not be blind." And so she called in. So this is her. She called into the talk, the Christian talk show and and uh, told the host this, and the host said, well, this is what I would like you to do next time you go back to church. Go back to church, and when you are within you know, the, the sphere of that pastor, take your cane, hit him over the head with it, and ask him if it hurts. And when he, said that it hurt, when he says that it hurts, 
tell him that if he had enough faith, it wouldn't hurt, right? <laughs> Bad things happen. And, and the wrong conclusion is that, um, is that the person that it happened to, that they deserved it, or that the reason why it happened is because God is unfair. Bad things happen. In another conversation Jesus had, this is a whole other story, this is in John chapter 9, if you're taking notes, uh, Jesus and his disciples were passing by this guy who was born blind. We're told that he was born blind. And the disciples asked, you know, who, who sinned? This man or his parents? You know, that, that he was born blind. So this was, a, this was an, a, a, an idea that was really, you know, pervasive in Jesus' day that the blind man must have done something wrong or his parents must have done something wrong because if his parents were righteous or if he was righteous, he would not have been born blind. Which, you know, he was born blind. <laughs> uh, he had no choice in the matter. And Jesus said it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Which is like, okay, I don't really like that answer. Like Jesus said, the reason why this man was born blind is exactly for what's going to happen next. And what's going to happen next is, and then he did it. Jesus got down, took some mud and, and spit and rubbed it into the guy's eyes and, and he said, go wash your, your, your eyes out. And then, you, and then he was healed. So that, the, so that the works of God would be displayed through him and through Jesus. So Jesus, you know, by doing what he did, he basically was telling the disciples, you're asking the wrong question. And in Luke chapter 13, it was the same thing. You're asking the wrong question. What is the right question? The right question is, let's be honest with ourselves. What's really going on with our own hearts? Is there, any, is there really any good person? You know, uh, the people who heard Jesus talk, I think some of them, especially if there were religious leaders there, they would have been familiar with Psalm 51, verse 5, which says this. Let's read this together. Ready? Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. What this verse is saying, or what the psalmist is saying, is not that, um, you know, <laughs> that sexual intimacy is sinful, and that's why I was born. Some of the early church fathers concluded that. I'm like, that's stupid. Um, what's being said here is that we are born with a heart problem from the moment of conception. There's something wrong with us. Well, why is it that you don't have to teach your children how to lie, but you have to teach them to be truthful? Why is it that you have to teach your children to be honorable and, and a person of integrity? Instead of, and you don't do anything with them, you, they'll turn out to be completely the opposite. Why, why is that? Because there's something wrong with us. And then a few Psalms later, Psalm 53, verses 2 through 3, says this, God looks down from where? From heaven. On who? Us. <laughs> That's us. To see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They all have fallen away. So you, some of you thought, oh, that's just Romans chapter 3. Paul, Paul was kind of grumpy, and he wrote Romans chapter 3. No, Paul was getting this from the psalmist. Uh, they have all fallen away. Together they have become corrupt. There is what? None who does good, not even one. And uh, 
And so this is why Jesus says something here, and it's so easy to miss in Luke chapter 13. He says, I tell you, well, he says, no, in both instances, in verse 3 and in verse 5, he says, no, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Now, you could read that and think, well, that's mean for Jesus to say, or that, that sounds unsatisfactory, but if but, and you would miss the point that Jesus is making here. Actually, what Jesus is saying in these verses is good news. And what he's saying is that, no, <laughs> you're assuming that the, that the sword of Pilate, the tower that fell on those 18 people, or the, blind, the person born blind, you're assuming that that's, that's the worst that can happen to you in life. That's what you're assuming. You're assuming... That God, has, that, that, that God is, that, 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 by doing that, that God is pouring out his wrath upon sin through the, by the, through the edge of Pilate's sword, the tower that fell, and the person who was born blind. That's what you're assuming. Which leads me to the next point here, and that is there is only one good person. Um, what he's saying here is actually really good news. He said, there's something worse <laughs> There's something, inf something infinitely worse. In fact, the right conclusion would have been for these people um, about the Galileans and about the tower and about the, the disciples' right conclusion about the man born blind is, why, was I not at the, you know, why didn't I not suffer at the edge of Pilate's sword? Why was I not along, uh, included with the 18 on which the tower fell? Why was I not born blind? Because fairness would, would conclude that I deserve that just as much as anybody else if God is fair. And, and so why didn't it happen to me? And, with, and, and Jesus is saying here in verse 3 and verse 5, there is something worse than Pilate's sword. There's something worse than a, a tower that crushes 18 people. There's something worse than disability or, or, or disease. And that thing that's worse is, is, this, is this judgment or this justice that we all deserve, not because we're good, but because we're bad. There's something wrong with us. And, and the right response of God is that we ought to be judged for our sin. And it sounds harsh, but there's really there's good news in this. Like, we live in a world filled with murder where towers fall on, on 18 individuals and where people are born with disease and serious disabilities because, because of a world that has turned its back on God. We live in a world that's cursed because the only creature on planet Earth has, has uh, postured himself or herself in rebellion to God. Murder, falling towers, and disease are the consequences of our own sin and rebellion towards God. That's the right understanding of what's going on here in chapter 13 of Luke. In fact, if we're honest with ourselves, it's, you know, yeah, we're, we're not the, probably, most likely not the cause of tsunamis, um, earthquakes, tornadoes, natural disasters, but we are to blame for most of the world's suffering in the world. It is mostly human wickedness that results in the amplification of preventable diseases, world hunger, poverty, trafficking of children and women as slaves, and much worse, and more. 
Think about the wars and genocides that governments have been responsible for, the millions of lives that were uh, taken as a result. I mean, what makes sense about everything around our world is what the prophet Jeremiah said about the human heart, about our own condition. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, let's read this together, ready? The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? This is the point that Jesus is making. Like, you are asking the wrong question. If you really understood your, your heart problem, you would understand that if a tower fell on you or if, or, or if soldiers you know, wound up taking your life or if you were born with disability, it is not because you didn't deserve it. And Jesus says, unless you repent, you will likewise perish. Perish from what? A more severe judgment. There is a greater tower that is, that is um, um, reserved to come down upon all people who are guilty of sin. There's a greater tower than the tower that fell on the 18 people. The problem with mankind is that there are no good people because of sin. In Romans chapter 1, verse 18, and I promise you it's going to get better. It was like The good news shifts. Like, like you're like, really? I came to church for this? I just want to go home and take a nap now. Like, I, uh, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. And Jesus said, unless you repent that tower, the tower of God's wrath, will also fall upon you. And the good news is that you can repent. And, you can, and, and that tower doesn't have to come upon you. And it reminds me of, uh, like, when it comes to, like, people, when I read the statistics about what people think about people, <laughs> that most or nearly half of Americans think they're better than the rest of Americans, um, which sounds very American, uh, is this prayer I came across from this little girl, oh Lord, make the bad people good and the good people nice. Think about that for a second. Um, like, we're not okay. Like, the most catastrophic conclusion a person can make is that they're okay. That they're good that they don't deserve anything bad to happen to them at all. And, and, and that's a catastrophic decision because that could lead to you standing before God and having his power of his wrath come upon you. But the good news is that Jesus, like, he's like he says here, unless you repent, well, repent how? Repent from your sins. Repent and know in this that, that I have come. The reason why I have been born is so that God's tower will fall upon me instead of you. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have, what? Eternal life. And then it goes on to say in verse 18, whoever believes in him, like Jesus said this, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. 
And this is judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. And Jesus said, I have come. I was born for the purpose of for God's tower of his justice to fall upon me so that when you repent, that tower of justice doesn't need to fall upon you because if it falls upon you, it will crush you. If you're still like trying to wrap your mind around this, like, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, For our sake God made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus was perfectly innocent. If there was ever a perfectly good person on planet Earth, Jesus was the only one. If there was ever a person who did not deserve to have a tower fall upon him or the sword of Pilate or, or disease, Jesus was the only human being on planet Earth that, that did not deserve those things. If there's ever a human being who did not deserve the, the wrath of God, Jesus is the one. And God sent his son and made him sin, our sin, on our behalf when he didn't know sin so that in him the people who were bad, the people who were evil, might become what? The righteousness of who? Of the only, the only perfect being, right? The righteousness of God. Like this is good news friends. Like, this is good news, what we read in Luke chapter 13. Here's a crazy thing. Okay, maybe I'm just geeking out over this, but I was, I was, I was thinking of uh, a name of God to reflect upon, like we're doing in, all throughout the sermon series. We'll look at one of the names of God in each of the sermons uh, in this series. But there is... Um, there's a name um, that is found in, in Jeremiah chapter 23, and it is Jehovah Siskanu. And um, it means the Lord our righteousness. You're like, okay, yeah, that's, that's, that's nice, Pastor Keith. Uh, okay, Jeho- so Yahweh Siskanu, um, the Lord our righteousness. Here's what's crazy about this, ready? Um, it's found in Jeremiah chapter 23. And you're like, well, what's crazy about that? That's the Old Testament. Of course, you know, yeah, we're going to find the name of God in the Old Testament. Oh, no, you got to see this. Jeremiah, let's go to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 23, verses 5 through 6. Behold. Now, now I just want you to see the, hear this or see this. If you read Jeremiah, there are a bunch of chapters before this chapter, chapter 23, that talk about if you remember my series in the, in the book of Daniel, that talk about this coming judgment on Judah, which was the southern kingdom, for their sin against God. God warned them multiple times, gave them hundreds of years to repent. They didn't do that. He's, and so the prophet Jeremiah said, it's coming. God's judgment is coming. Why is it coming? Because of your sin. Because of your sin, uh, Judah. Because of your sin, Hebrew people. Because of your sin, people. Um, he says, behold, the days are coming, declares Yahweh, it should be Yahweh, uh, the Lord, when I will rise up for you, David, when I will rise up for David, a righteous branch. What does that mean? A descendant of David. Like, this is one, you, I was telling Brian this morning, this is one for the Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons. Ready? And, like, some one person laughed. Um, it's true. Wait, it's coming. And he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall ex- execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be what? 
saved. And Israel will what? Dwell securely. It's talking about when God makes all things new and, and reverses the curse of sin. And this is the name by which he, who? The branch of David, the descendant of David, will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. What is that saying? It is saying Jesus is Jehovah Sidkenu. That's Jesus. Jesus, this Jesus tells these people in Luke chapter 13 that you're asking the wrong question. These people deserved what happened to them because what happened, because what was true of their heart is true of all of mankind's hearts. We're all bad. There's something wrong and flawed with us. You should have been at the edge of Pilate's sword. You should have been under that tower. You should have been born, you know, blind. But I've come that the tower of God's justice will not fall upon you, but fall upon me. By, because I come to take upon your sin. And if you repent and place your faith and trust in me, then you'll never, ever experience God's great tower falling upon you. And if the little tower does fall upon you, and if the, the, the sword of government does come upon you, and if you by chance are born with a disability, you can know beyond a, beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is not the result of an angry God. That he loves you and he cares for you. And this is last week's sermon, right? And he has purpose and design behind what this, what, what this thing you are suffering. Like, uh, he has a purpose and design behind this. But it's not because he's judging you. It's not because he's pouring out his wrath upon you. And you can know that because of what Jesus took upon himself in your place and in my place. Jesus took the wrath of God. Jesus had the wrath, the tower of God's great wrath fall upon him. And when you read a passage like Isaiah 53, we read something like this, that he was crushed for what? Our iniquities. This is good news. So Jesus tells us to repent so that the ultimate tower that we deserve does not fall upon us because he was born so that it would fall upon him instead. And... Um, you know, and so I can look at the stuff in my life. Like I shared some stories last week, of just of suffering that's come into our family. I can look at that and know this is not a, a, the result of a vindictive, angry God upon my life. He is doing something here because he loves me. And I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt because Jesus took the wrath of God in my place. And I know what Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says about me. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Like, we can look at all of life in that context. And for the person, for the person who has never placed their faith and trust in Jesus, you now have not only the privilege, but the obligation to tell them that they too, they too can have Jesus take upon himself the wrath of God, the tower of God's wrath upon, that, that fell upon Jesus, that they could place their faith and trust in him so that they could escape that same tower that you escaped. 
Like, you want to know what to do with this? Like, as, we, as I've been preaching, I mean, sometimes I hear, hey, that was a really good sermon. Hey, that was, I, you know, that, that was so meaningful to me. And, and um, you know, wow, this is, you know, I, I, I never learned this before. I never saw this before. Um, the tragic thing would be for you to go home and do nothing with this. There are people all around you who are facing the tower of God's wrath because they have not yet placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And you, who have escaped his wrath because of what Jesus did in your place and in my place, can tell them where they can find true love, the love of a heavenly Father who made them in his image and loved them so much that he sent his Son in the, you know, to, to live the life that they can never live and die the death that they deserve in their place and on the third day validating that when he rose from the grave, right? You want to know what to do with, with sermons that you hear on Sunday morning or, or when you get in your Bible and you do your devotions or when you're studying the Bible you know, throughout the week, you know what you do with that? You take it to the streets around you. Take it to your neighbors, take it to your family, take it to your loved ones. Let me close with something, again, Tim Keller said that I thought was so good, and I didn't want to just, I, wanted, I want him to say it, because he says it so much better than, than I could. He said, the best person died on the cross for our sin. The one person who really deserved God to listen to him was turned away from. What that means is when my towers are falling on me, I can say, this is only a little tower. The big tower fell on Jesus. God is not punishing for my sin, and I can handle this. The only tower that can really destroy me, which is the eternal justice of God, is never going to fall on my heart because it fell on Jesus. When towers are not falling on me and my life is going very well, I have to say, it's nothing but grace. And the reason God can be good to me and not give me what I deserve is that Jesus Christ got what he did not deserve. The reason God is never going to give me what I deserve, but something much better, is that God did not give Jesus what he deserved, but something far worse. He got the ultimate tower. It fell on him. It fell on him. Amen? Like, that's good news. So do bad things happen to good people? No, they happen to bad people. Does that mean... That, um, that we don't serve those who are suffering and those who, whose hearts are crushed. No, we, we must. And the reason why bad things happen to people is because our world is cursed. And, um, and God has called us to be salt. He's called us to be light. He's called us to be the voice of hope. He's called us to share the gospel with those who so desperately need it. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that the tower fell on Jesus. It fell on Jesus. And if there's anyone here, God, who doesn't yet know you, then I pray that that they would run to your son in faith. You would hear these words from your holy scripture 
That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God, you, O God, raised him from the grave, that they will be saved. They will hear these words, there is salvation found in no one else but the name of Jesus. They will hear the words of our Savior who himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except by me. That they would run to you. They don't have to pay for it. They don't have to go to church a, 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 a certain number of times. They don't have to read their Bible every single day to get it. They just need to run to Jesus to receive it in faith by believing that he lived the perfect life. He died a death he did not deserve. Your tower fell upon him on that cross. He was buried, and on the third day he rose from the grave. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, have a great rest of the week. We'll see you. See you next week.